Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. All right, so we've been in a series of sermons here at the Foundry Church that we are calling Follow. All right, we've been talking about what it means to follow Jesus, to like really uh, really follow him. Like, what does that mean, right? Uh, to take that, that hike down that path or, or to take that adventure with Jesus, however we put it, right? What does it mean to forge a lifelong reliance on God, to follow him, to live our best life, a life that is forged on him. And we've learned a lot. Now, if you've missed any of these weeks, I would encourage you to go back online. You can listen to any of the sermons or you can uh, go to our podcast at your favorite podcast store thing. All right, and download the podcast. All the sermons are up there. And last week, uh, we answered the question, right, of where we're going when we follow Jesus. Like, where do we go? What happens when we get there? And we said that the bottom line is that following uh, Jesus leads to a faith in God that overwhelms fear. It leads to a faith in God that just overwhelms fear. Listen, most people would tell you that the end game for uh, Jesus following him is heaven. But when you actually read the words of Jesus in the Gospels... In the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament that detail Jesus' life and his ministry and his works, right? That's not the full force of his message. It's a part of it, yes, right? And it's not also to become a better person, even though there's still some of that in there as well. But the the primary driving force of Jesus' message, of his message, was that he wanted you Right? And he, he wanted me, he wanted all of us, uh, and this is, this is great, right? He wanted all of us to have faith in God the Father, in him, that is just so big and so powerful. That just overwhelms fear. Confidence in God that is just so great that in the midst of any circumstances... In the, in the midst of maybe even fear, like we've been saying, that we would have such great confidence in our general, in God. Right? That we would be able to, to fear not in every step of our calling to follow him, to forge our life on him. Right? And so that was, that was last week. And this week, now today, we're going to answer another question about following Jesus, forging our life on him. And the question is this, what should Jesus' followers wear? Right? And I know, right, you've been asking yourself this question for months, right? Maybe, maybe, even, maybe even years, right? And now I'm looking out there, right, and I, I, I see it, right? I see it. You guys have been dying to know this forever, right? You've been uh, participating and you've been listening to this series of sermons every week and you leave the foundry thinking, ah, that was a pretty good sermon, but man, what should I wear, right? Right, what should I wear? Ah, you're going too fast, you're going too fast there. All right, right, well today, right, this Sunday, this beautiful sunny day outside is your lucky day because I'm going to answer that question for you. 
right? Uh, me, the epitome of a guy that is non-traditionally handsome, all right, is going to answer, what should Jesus' followers wear? All right, well, what should we wear as people forging our life on God? And before we do, uh, before we start, quick quiz to illustrate this. I'm going to show you some pictures, all right? You kind of got a glimpse of one already, but I'm going to show you some pictures, and you tell me who these people are following, all right? Just yell it out. The first picture. All right, the Green Bay Packers, right? That's who they're following by what they are, are wearing. Show the second picture. Cincinnati Bengals, all right. Let's see the, the third picture. This one's a little bit more difficult, all right. The All Blacks, that's right, all right. Now, the thing is, right, all right, sports fans are not the only groups that follow and let other people know who they're following by what they wear, all right. Take, take a look at this picture. Who, who, who are they following or what are they following, right? What are, who are they? Hasidic Jews, right? Now, you're afraid to yell that out because you're a bunch of good church people, right? <laughs> you come in here, you sit down, you sip your coffee, and you, you're ready for a nice quiet day, and gotcha, right? All right, now, let, let's keep going. Show that fifth picture. All right? Buddhist monks, okay? Now, this one's not as easy, the sixth picture. All right? Sikhs, right? And we, sh we should know that, even though it's a little bit harder because that's the, the fifth largest religion in the world, right? Sikhism. All right, so back to our question, right? If I were to throw up a picture up there of a Christian, how would you know? All right, what, what do followers of Jesus wear? Now, some of you, you're probably thinking of this, right? right instead, instead of Reese's, it says Jesus, right? Sweet Savior, King of Kings, right? Has the full realm of bracelets, Right? That's, what you, that's what you're thinking of. And listen, if this, if this is what Christians are supposed to look like, I'm out. Right? I'm out. Right? And some of you probably have the same thought. Because as the old saying goes, they will know that we are Christians by our cheesy t-shirts. Right? And the million bracelets that we wear. Now, let, let me put your mind at ease. You can take that down. Right? This is not what a Christian wears. Right? Well, it, it might be. But it's not what we have to wear, right? It's not what we have to wear, right? To be clear, followers of Jesus outwardly cover every race and culture and ethnic background, and that is what is amazing, right? We come from all over the world, and we come from all different sorts of economic stations in life, and we have a million different kinds of haircuts and, and styles, and though I do stand by one of the most Christ-like things we can do is grow a beard, <laughs> just kidding, right? Todd knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> right? We come from all over, but here's the truth, right? We do not really have a formal outward attire, right, do we? But we do have a standard inward wardrobe, right? And this is a standard that God has set us uh, to, to wear. And so today, we're going to look at just two passages of Scripture and break down what a Christian should be wearing. The passages come from the book of John, and another comes from the book of Colossians. We're going to be in John first. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John, uh, chapter 13, verse 34, in a little bit. All right, go ahead and turn there, and if you don't have a Bible, use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, 
And you can take those with you. They're free. We want you to have a Bible, so take those with you. You can also, excuse me, download the church app that is uh, on that QR code on the back of the chairs. Or you can go to the YouVersion app on any smartphone. And there's every translation of Bible on there. There's Bible studies they, that text you or email you. All kinds of great stuff on the YouVersion app. So download one of those apps or turn with us to John chapter 13 of verse 34. Now let me give you a little bit of a background as you're turning there or downloading one of those apps. The Apostle Paul was, by his own admission, a Christian hunter. He, he literally hunted down Christians. Right? That's what he did. Right? Early in his life, he was a Christian hunter. Right? So, so he could spot Christians from a mile away. So he is a good person to ask what a Christian looks like, what they wear. Because in the process of all his hunting, he actually became a Christian himself. And then he started planting all these little churches all over, right? And then he began writing letters to these little churches to coach them along and to help them do a better job at sharing the message of Jesus with their friends and with their family. The, the same thing that we're called to do, to share that message of Jesus. Right, and the great thing about Paul, for us anyways, is that he was not a follower of Jesus while Jesus was, was on the planet. Right, Paul, he started out as a follower of the followers of Jesus. Right, and through their words, through their stories and their lives and what they, they wore, he began to flesh out the teachings of our Savior, of our Lord, of Jesus. He would take what Jesus thought. Right, and, and make it even more practical for these Gentile Christians that he's writing these letters to. People, people like us that did not have a, a Jewish background. And the primary teaching of Jesus that, that Paul leveraged over and over and over again was something Jesus said right at the very end of his time here on earth. Right? So Judas... The disciple, the follower of Jesus that would betray him over to the Romans, had already done that. And so he, he's gathered all those that are left, Jesus. Gathered all his other disciples, his closest followers, and he tells them uh, that he's about to leave. That he, he's about to die, that he's about to be taken from them. And so he focuses in on the most important thing that he can think to tell them at this time. And he says what is in John chapter 13, verse 34. Let's, let's read it together here. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. To which we pause and we say that's that's not new right we we know this we've heard this our whole life but jesus says i know you have but i'm going to set the bar a little bit higher here all right and so he continues he says no now i give you a new commandment love each other just as i have loved you you should love each other all right all right jesus says if you forget anything else i say remember this you are to love one another. You are to love one another. And not just in the way that you're supposed to love uh, one another. Like on a duty or something. Right? And not just the way that you, you want to love one another. 
right? You know, he's saying you are to love one another the way that I have loved you. Right? You're, you're to, to take my take your cue from me is what he is saying. And maybe he he looked over at Matthew and, and he said, Hey Matthew. Right? Do, do you remember uh, that day that we walked up to you and you were collecting taxes? You, you uh, miserable person, you were, you were collecting taxes and Peter over here wanted to spit on you. Right? But before he could spit on you, I, I, I said, Matthew, before you change a thing, before you change anything about you, follow me. Matthew, do, do you remember how you felt that day? You do? Well... I want you to love these guys the way that I loved you that day. Right? And, and he had a story like that probably for every single one of them, uh, every single one of those disciples, and he has a story like that for us too, right? Remember that day. Remember that day that you were first introduced to Jesus and everything shifted a little bit for you. Maybe today's that day, or, or you've had it very recently, that feeling Right? That, that, that change, that is what he's talking about. The thing that changed everything for you. That, that feeling. That's what he wants. That's what he wants us to appear like to the rest of the world. Right? Look, look at it like this. With the most important thing, the love of God... Right? That's how we're to appear to the rest of the world. And that can change everything for anybody. The love of God can change anything for anybody. Right? Now think of it like this. Have you ever tried to bake a cake? All right? Our, our wonderful church baker who bakes our, our goodies every week, right? Have you ever tried to bake a cake and you have all the ingredients, but you leave out like one that is very necessary to the process, like flour? Yeah, sugar, all right, yeah. You don't want no cake with no sh without any sugar, right? right? Sugar, right, or flour, or you, you leave it out, or you're, you're playing a baseball game and you, you go out there and you don't have a pitcher, right? It just doesn't work, right? It's no good. And, and you may say, well, we've heard that before, but, but it's so important because here's the thing, right? If I had it my way, if Andrew had it his way, when it comes to rule keeping, well, I'd rather God love me because I kept all the rules, right? And just being honest, right? And not because I, I have to love, right? I'd rather he love me because I, I checked off some boxes, not because I have to love Jimmy down the road, right? right? And if I messed up, that's okay, right? If, I, if, I, if it's just about keeping rules and I messed up, that's okay. I'll ask for forgiveness and I'll just keep doing it over and over again, like this cycle, it just, it just keeps turning. But I, I can still hate people if that's the case. Right? Because if we're honest, there are some pretty horrible people out there. Right? And don't look at each other. Right? So, so if I'm honest, I just say, let's just keep with the rule things. Right? And forget about love. Right? And I think Jesus knew this. I, I think Jesus would think uh, we would think about this or, or be leaning in this way. Right? Jesus knew that most religions have this sort of gravitational pull towards some sort of tradition uh, or some kind of ritual or some kind of rule-keeping scheme. And all these things can be good, 
and have a purpose, but they're not the priority. Right? These things can very easily replace the priority of tre- treating people well, loving them like Jesus loved us. Right? In fact, it sometimes gets, uh, gets so bad that some, some of you could tell me horrible, horrible stories of how you've been mistreated in the name of religion or in the name of Jesus. And I don't know, I'm just guessing because this isn't in the Bible. But but I'm pretty sure that Jesus is not fond of his followers, people forging their life on him, mistreating people that he uh, died for. And so Jesus knew that he had to make sure he told his followers this before he left, right? Love one another as I have loved you. That's what you should be known for, right? A part of our issue with this is this, right? We cannot confuse discipline with discipleship. Right? We cannot confuse discipline with discipleship. Right? Discipleship is just a fancy word for following, to follow. Right? To, to learn how to follow, to, to engage in following, to forge, as we would say here at the Foundry. But here's the truth. Right? It is so easy to confuse as long as I have my disciplines, right? We think as long as I have my prayer time, as long as I, I go to church, as long as I, I, I don't do this and I do this, as long as I, I do more of this and less of these bad things, we think we're good. And we think we're following. As long as I'm disciplined, Uh, or becoming a more disciplined person that somehow can substitute for actually loving people. In in fact, it's why some of you have not gone to church in a while, or or you're just starting to come back to church, right, figuring out who Jesus is. You you met too many church people, right? Right? It's why you don't read your Bible. The person that you, you know who knows the most about Scripture and the Bible, it may have been the meanest person to you, or the meanest person you know. And I'm just saying it's not necessarily their fault. Right? All religion gravitates towards rule-keeping and away from just, just walking the path of life together with someone. Why? Because it's much easier. It's just easier, right? It's much easier to check things off a list than it is to love people who are hard to love. And and that's what Jesus is saying. And then what's remarkable is that 22 years after Jesus is saying these things, like clothe yourself with love, right? Love one another as I have loved you. Don't just check things off a list, but actually love people. 22 years later, right, Paul is unpacking this, right, through the inspiration of the Spirit of God. He's doing what I'm doing now. He's taking what Jesus said, and he's trying to make it so we can apply it to our lives. And so he wrote a letter to the church in Colossus. He wrote them a letter, and it breaks down this idea, right? It breaks down uh, this, this thing that Jesus is showing us. And Paul specifically relates it to what Jesus' followers are supposed to wear. So let's figure this out. Turn over in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. It's in the New Testament, one of the letters, so further to the right, towards the back from where we are in John. Use the table of contents if if you need to. I use it all the time. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Let's take a look at this and figure this out. 
It starts with this. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, right, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Right, keep, your, keep your finger there or keep the Bible open there. Now, in the, in the Greek text, there's actually two terms that are translated into compassion, right? The, the translation I read said mercy, compassion, translating into the same word. Right? It is the phrase that we use in the English language, love somebody with all your heart. That's what we're meaning here. Now, in, in Greek culture, they didn't say love with all your heart. That's not what they said. They literally said, and this is a little bit gross, they said love with all your bowels. All right? Love with all your bowels. And, and I don't know about you, but that's what I'm going to say to Christina later today. Right? I love you with all my bowels. All right? Listen, this is, this is what this means. All right? I want you to think back to the first time that you had your heart broken. All right, think about the first time you had your heart broken. For, for some of us, that's kind of hard. All right, I was, I was a stud, so I was doing the heartbreaking. <laughs> no, but seriously, right? think back to a time that you had your heart broken. Or maybe you can't think back to something like that, but think back to where you were really, really disappointed in something or about something. Right? And if you want a cop-out answer, if you were like a Bengals fan, think back a month ago to the Super Bowl. All right? But seriously, think of something, right? You know that feeling, that heartbreak, that feeling, that disappointment, that's not in your heart. That's not in your heart, right? It's, it's down here, right? It's in your gut, it's in your bowels, right? That's what we're talking about. It's not a Valentine's Day type of love or feeling, right? It's real, it's raw, it's deep, right? That is what Paul's saying. When other people are hurting, when they are gutted, when they are gutted, your initial reaction should not be, well, they should have studied more. They should have worked harder, or you should have done whatever. Right? Your initial reaction should be compassion or, or mercy, right? Which is just simply empathy with action. That's how it's defined. Right? It's, it's that you're in the trenches with your buddy. You just don't say, man, I'm sorry that you're in the trenches going through it. Yeah, yeah, jump in there, right, with your buddy, regardless of the fact that they were wrong, maybe. Regardless of the fact that they could have kept it from happening if they did this. Or regardless of the fact that they didn't listen to you the first 100 times when you said, don't do it, right? Sometimes, no matter what could have been done to prevent the pain, sometimes even when it is an accident, it still hurts. And we should show compassion. Mercy, right? The same word, which is just defined as empathy with action. Right? Now, Paul, right, he goes on, right? He has another word there. He says, clothe yourself with that compassion, that mercy. And then he says, kindness. Right? Another thing that we should put on, that we should clothe ourselves with. And do you know what kindness is? You know what kindness is? Right? Kindness is when you loan your strength to someone else. Think about that, right? Kindness is when, when someone needs something to be done for them, so you do it for them. 
right? You extend yourself. You, you loan them your strength, right? He said, I want you to put on this new habit, uh, this new approach to life, right? Where you loan people what they need. You loan them your strength. No questions asked, right? And then he said, I want you to put on humility, Clothe yourself with humility. Humility is seeing myself as I really am in relationship to other people and to God. A real look at who I am in relationship to other people, the people I'm supposed to love, and to God, who I'm supposed to love and love like him. And, and, and watch out, right? Here's the truth. Right, the accurate view of myself in relationship to other people is I am nothing more. I am nothing more than a citizen of humanity just like the rest of you. Humility. Right? And this view that, that there is an equality among human beings reminds us that the only thing that makes you special and the only thing that makes me special is that we are loved by the Father. It's not that you have more money or that you have more talent or that I have more opportunity or, or you have been born in a better family. It's not the color of your skin or the opportunity that you were born into. It is not your political party. It is not your zip code. It is this. It is the love of the Father. Period. Full stop. Right? It's the love of the Father, right? In fact, this verse seems to say, look, right, when people interact with you, especially if you're accomplished a lot, right, when people interact with you, especially if you're famous in your, your industry or in your company or your department or your division, when people interact with you and you're the captain of the team, people interact with you and you have more money than anybody else in the group or the room does. Paul is saying, I want you to come across as someone who understands that that's not what makes you special, those things aren't what make you special. What makes you special is what makes them special. Right? That the God of the universe came to earth, that he died on the cross, that he rose again on that third day because he loves us unconditionally. He said, I want you to bleed that kind of humility. And then he goes on with gentleness. Clothe yourself with gentleness. Right now, I got to be honest, not my favorite word. <laughs> not my favorite word or my greatest strength. Right? But, but, she's laughing. <laughs> um, but here's what gentleness is. Right? Gentleness is the decision to respond to someone in light of their strengths and weaknesses. Instead of responding to them out of my strengths. Are you guys catching that? Right? It is the difference between picking up an infant in one hand right, and plowing down linemen on a football field on, in the other hand. Right? Right? I have the capacity to do both, but I'm going to adjust my approach. Right? And I'm going to adjust my strength according to the object of my strength. <laughs> so do you know what that means? It means that my relationship with you is more important than you being impressed by me. 
right, and vice versa, right? Gentleness means that my relationship with others is more important than you knowing how powerful I am, right? Gentleness means my relationship with you is more important than you knowing the, the full capacity of my strengths, and I'm going to adjust for your benefit, right? For example, when I'm teaching my nephew uh, some wrestling moves, Right, when we're on vacation or something, when I'm teaching him how to wrestle, right, I'm not going to exhibit my full strength. Right? Right, he's little. Right? I'm not going to exhibit my full strength because, because he's not going to learn how amazing I am. I'm just going like, to end up breaking his back. Right? So, I, so I adjust my strength. Right? He has to have the opportunity to learn what a, a single leg takedown is and not to experience the, the full power of Uncle Andrew. So we adjust. And so Paul continues kind of one with, along the same lines. And that is the word patience. Right? Clothe yourself with, with patience. Right? Patience is gearing down. And it's determining that you're going to move at the other person's speed instead of your own. Right? Kind of like gentleness. We're going to respect the pace. Right? We're, we're going we're to bring them along. We're going to encourage them, we're going to guide them, but we're going to do it at their pace. Paul says, this is stuff that I want you to put on every morning. Right? This is what Jesus wants his followers to be known for, for you to be known for. Right? This is our outfit. This is what we are, are to wear, our uniform, if you will. Right? And then he, he summarizes with verse 13. Where we left off, right there in chapter 3 of Colossians, he says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Listen, Paul says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Not based on, on anything the other person is doing for you or how they forgave you. Forgive as God forgave you. Right, we're, we're getting dressed here. In fact, really all of this we should do like Jesus did. Right? Be compassionate as, as God was compassionate with you. Right? Be gentle like God was gentle with you. Be patient like God was patient with you. I mean, be honest. Right? Remember how many times you said, God, I will never... God, I will never do this. And then you did it again like 10 minutes later. <laughs> Remember how many times you broke our promises to God? Right? Do you know how patient God has been with us? And Paul is saying, I want you to, to extend that through forgiveness. I want you to be known for extending that same kind of patience to people around you. And then Paul summarizes this way, and above all, overall, and over all these things, like an overcoat or a vest, he says, over all these virtues, put on love. Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Right? Which is just a fancy way of saying that basically this is kind of an umbrella idea. <laughs> this is the canopy under which all these other things, the, this is the overcoat that we put on over our outfit, right? The, the trench coat, 
we must wear is love and bind it together. I don't really know clothes, but trench coats is as close as I can get, <laughs> right? Now, here's the thing, and here's me being honest with you. Almost none of these things, none of these things, these things that we're supposed to clothe ourselves with, right? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, above all, love, the thing that binds them all together, forgiveness, like none of these things come easy to me. None of these things come natural to me, like, like zero, right? And when I read this, this list, my initial thought is, man, if I got to start doing all of this, all these things, right, how in the heck am I going to get anything done, right? right this seems like, like a lot of work, and, and I don't like people all that much, right? How am I going to do all this? But we all have to do, all we have to do when we start thinking like that is, is we just got to stop for one second and we got to think uh, and realize about the one who wrote these words, Paul, inspired by God, got more done than we ever will. <laughs> right? He started a dozen or more churches in areas of the world that never even heard of Jesus. He, he did this all by traveling by sailboat, writing half of the New Testament, sometimes getting shipwrecked and defending himself in court while he was healing from beatings and, and stonings and snake bites. So there's really no excuse there not to clothe ourselves with these things, right? right? But it looks like we kind of have to start being nice to people. We've got to start kind of being nice to people. And so, so listen, I, I, here's the truth. Lean in, and I want you to grab a hold of this. This isn't about abandoning your personality or your worth ethic. It's about putting on a new filter through which you are expressed. It's about putting on a new pair of glasses, if you will. The idea is this. If you have a quiet time with God or a devotional time where you read the Bible in the mornings or in the evenings or just when you're getting ready for work, you're getting into the car for your morning commute, start the day by saying this. God, today, I want to put on some compassion. I don't want to just immediately react. I want to respond I just want to at least pause and for people to sense that. That's all it takes, right? Or maybe before you log into that meeting or you walk into that office and you whisper, God, today I just want to put on some, some humility. I just want to declare that even though I'm, I'm better than some of these yahoos, right? It doesn't matter because in your eyes we're all your children. So help me express some humility today where, where it needs to be shown. It's just a new filter, right? Just, just new glasses, right? A new way of looking at the world, a new way of loving the world. Like we're commanded to do. It's what we wear. It's our clothes. So as the, the band comes up and we're, we're thinking about going shopping for some new clothes, these things... I want you to grab a hold of this. Listen, this, this is so important. Right, last, last week I said that we need to get out of the evacuation, uh, out of the evacuation mindset and into the infiltration mindset. And this is how we do just that. Right? Right? Jesus did not just come here to die on the cross and rise again just to, to build up our knowledge or, or to build up our philosophy. He came to make a difference. 
He came to make a difference in our lives today, right now, tomorrow, and for all of eternity. Jesus showed up to make a difference in the church, the bride of Christ, us, boundary. You, me, us, right, are here to make a difference too. We're here to make a difference for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, His agenda and not our own. As followers of Jesus, people who are forging our life on God, we've been called to make that difference. And the truth is, right, difference is made in culture. And if difference is going to be made in our marriages, and if difference is going to be made in our families, if, if a difference is going to be made in our, our kids and their futures, and the difference is going to be made in our, our parents and our relationships with them, and if a difference is going to be made at work, and a difference is going to be made in our community, and just on our street or in our homes or on the table, Right, it's not going to be by following a list of rules, but by wearing genuine compassion, extraordinary kindness, by wearing a gentleness that they know that just seems beyond our capability and has to come from a God that is bigger than all of us, a patience that just surpasses all. The difference is made is when we love people the way our Heavenly Father loved us through Christ, His Son. Make a difference. Clothe yourself in these things. Let's stand and worship God and thank Him for the new duds. Let's thank Him through worship and adoration that He's called us to a task. That he's called us to a, a purpose. That he's called us to a mission. Not just to know things, but to partner with him in making a difference in this world. To bring heaven here. To expand his kingdom. Listen, if you haven't made Jesus your Lord, that's what we want to talk about. That's what we want to talk about leading up to baptism Sunday, to Easter Sunday. About making Jesus our Lord our Savior, the forgiver of our life, where we hear the gospel, what he's done for us, and where we, we, we hear it and we, we confess that he's going to be our Lord, and then we want to accept his grace, and then we meet him in the waters of baptism for the forgiveness of sins and that, that gift of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Listen, if you want to talk about that, I'll be up here after service. It's a life of compassion, humility, of patience, gentleness, but it's also a life of power in the name of Jesus because he's going to be living right here. Gives us the power to fear not, to follow him wherever he calls us. Let's worship together.